Hello, and welcome to Linux Action News, episode 238, recorded on April 7th, 2022. I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. Hello, Wes. Let's do the news. We start this week in the midst of the spring release season, with the new 2204 LTS version of Pop! OS hitting the mirrors. Built on top of the well-received Ubuntu 2204 core, System 76's release is putting an emphasis on workflow customization, auto-tiling, and a heavy focus on a ready-to-go development environment. And 2204 features their GNOME-based Cosmic Desktop, which is really pretty close in terms of overall look and theme from what you saw in 2110. But of course, now with improvements throughout some of those that you get just by now being based on GNOME 42 and all of the goodies that has, including GTK4, which means you're going to see some improvements in performance likely as well. And one thing that I wanted to mention that just sort of jumped out at me was Pop! OS 2204 now introduces this updated support panel in the GNOME settings app. And in there, this page tells you what your computer and OS model and version are. It provides links to documentation and the POP community chat and the ability to archive your recent logs up and send them off to support. Pop Shop also received some nice updates and now highlights recently updated apps and features improved package management operations. But with those more, let's say, mundane changes out of the way, one of the bigger changes as far as we're personally concerned, Pop now defaults to Pipewire. This feels like a big step because this is an LTS release, let's keep in mind. And so this is something maybe we wouldn't have expected traditionally, but I love it. And I think that personally, you take some decisions like that and you combine them with System76's commitment to ship newer kernels as they release. That, to me, is going to be an interesting recipe for a new kind of LTS that I want to keep my eyes on. And speaking of those updates, POP2204 has automatic update options now in the GNOME panel that you can set, like a time of day and week to automatically do the updates for the system. And in there, there is now an option for not just Debian packages, not just flat packs, but for Nix packages as well. Wait, Nix? Really? Isn't that something? I did not expect this. I haven't followed the beta super closely for this, and so I was really surprised when I saw this. We dug into this a bit, and we'll have some links in the show notes, and we've emailed System76 for more information. But it seems that there's like a back-end service called the POP System Updater, and this has facilities for these different types of packages that you might have installed, Debs, Flatpaks, and Nix packages. And of course, it's written in Rust. <laughs> it's not all good news just yet, though. It's probably worth mentioning that the Raspberry Pi 4 images for 2204 with Pop, well, they're not quite ready yet. So the ones available are still based on 2110. But it does sound like work is underway. We'll just have to be a little bit patient. Well, speaking of Ubuntu 2204, one of the new features Canonical drew attention to during the release was the support for a real-time kernel beta. But now, we're learning some more details on how that's exactly going to work. Now, most of us never actually need a, quote, real-time kernel day-to-day. But for some industrial applications, a guaranteed window of execution is absolutely critical. You know, for industries like telecom, manufacturing, 
and, of course, space robots. And while real-time patches, known as preempt RT, have been out there for years now, there was never really an official way to get that kernel built on Ubuntu and supported by Canonical. Well, 2204, that's changing. Well, as long as you're willing to sign up for Ubuntu Advantage. If you're interested, there is the free tier of Canonical's Linux Enterprise subscription plan with extended security maintenance, kernel line patching support, landscape, and a few other offerings. Now, that comes with the Ubuntu real-time kernel access as well. I suppose this isn't super surprising. This is kind of a continuation of Canonical's Enterprise OS as a service. You can get the free Ubuntu. You can even run it for five years for free. But if you want to pay for Ubuntu Advantage, you get all of these enterprise capabilities that make it appealing. And uh, it's it sells itself to a lot of customers. And now they're adding another perk to that program, another feature set to that program. I was actually surprised by the real-time kernel support itself because didn't really see it come up much during the beta. It wasn't in the repos. So, you know, we didn't see it. Like, at one point, I did look at all the available kernels. But now we know why, because it's been rolled into this Ubuntu Advantage program, and so it's going to be coming from there. And I wouldn't be surprised going forward if we see other enterprise-specific features, maybe similar to this or in the same vein, show up as Ubuntu Advantage only over time. Maybe with some time, a free PPA becomes available or something like this. But this does seem to be a continuation of this idea they have to monetize Ubuntu on the server. And uh, when their goal is to IPO next year, it makes sense that they would be wanting to add competitive features like this. What feels like a million years ago, back in 2020, we covered the new NTFS file system driver that Paragon Software was contributing to the kernel. This driver was previously a proprietary commercial offering from Paragon, who, after years of selling that commercial driver, decided to contribute that code upstream. It features full read-write support and a ton of other features that were not found in the old NTFS driver. Right. This was seen as a bit of a moment because, finally, we would have a real, true, safe NTFS driver in Linux. And then when we covered the actual deployment in Linux 5.15, we thought, well, <laughs> okay, we can wipe our hands of this. It's the start of a new era. We have full NTFS support in Linux. It was uh, time to format your drives, boys. <laughs> oh, it was a sweet, sweet feeling. But it seems not destined to last, because unfortunately, less than one year later, concerns are being raised that the driver is already orphaned and not being actively maintained. Paragon Software did pledge to keep the driver maintained as part of the process of getting it upstreamed into the kernel. But since 5.15 landed, there haven't been any major updates, despite there even being a few fixes already queued up. Man, that is unfortunate. And, you know, the kernel team tried to get that pledge. Yeah, hey, all right, we'll do this. But don't leave us high and dry. And and props to Michael Larbel over at Pharonix, who kind of put all this together and he notes that one of the developers that contributed a number of patches to that NTFS3 code during the review process, Carrie Oligrander, well, they raised concerns over the state of the Paragon driver to several people. They've also noted that 
they've been unable to get any response from Paragon's maintainer. It's been virtual radio silence. Yeah, Carrie raised those concerns on the mailing list and kind of classified the driver as, at this point, being effectively orphaned. At the same time, making an offer to co-maintain the driver, although that offer is complicated because, so far, there's been no response yet from the currently recognized maintainer. Oh, what a mess, Wes. What a, what a stinking mess. You hate to see this happen. And now it's naturally raised questions if this driver should be removed from the mainline, or at least what action should be taken now. We'll definitely be keeping our eyes on this one, but maybe don't rely too much on that NTFS support on Linux for now. Checking in on the slow rollout of the Steam Deck for a moment. It seems sales have remained strong. The deck has held the number two top-grossing product on Steam for five weeks in a row, according to SteamDB. And this week, the Steam Deck grossed more sales than even the massively popular new game, Elden Ring. And probably all this success likely means delays. The R Steam Deck community estimates that Valve is still working through the first 15 minutes of pre-orders from July 16th, 2021. Now, it depends on the model you ordered. Some queues have been moving faster, but the U.S. only just made it past hour one and only with the 64 gigabyte model. Now, this is changing all the time, so we'll put a link to that thread so you can get the most up-to-date community estimates. But while most of us sit here and wait, the Dex client software keeps getting better and better. From pushing firmware updates, OS fixes, and just some nice-to-have features, it seems like Valve is pushing development ahead at a pretty rapid pace. Though it does leave us wondering a bit if it might still be some time before we see a standalone release of SteamOS 3. Oh, come on, Valve, we want it already. Although I could see what you're saying there. If they're still doing a bunch of updates, they're probably not likely to drop it over the fence for the public yet. Uh, let us test it for you, Valve. We'll give it a go. There's also good news in Deckland, the compatibility layer that makes those Windows games go on Steam and on the Deck. That got a solid update this week. Proton 7.0-2 is out now, and it is considered the new main stable version of Proton going forward. And it has an impressive new list of games that are now playable via Proton. And that Elden Ring we just mentioned is one of them, as well as many others. As you may have noticed, Matrix is one of our favorite up-and-coming platforms. And in some exciting news, the leading chat client, Element, has rolled out Threads in beta. Threads help you separate conversations from the main timeline. Starting a new thread opens a thread view where you can continue your conversation without interruption or interrupting any other conversations or topics that are going on in the main timeline. It's really quite great to see this feature roll out as more and more free software projects and fans adopt Matrix as sort of their main place to communicate. But it's also been nice to see because Element the Client, well, it just keeps getting better with improvement after improvement and more layers of polish. If you haven't checked it out in a while, maybe go create an account on matrix.org and then join us in the Linux Action News feedback channel that we'll have linked in the show notes. 
linode.com slash LAN. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and you go there to support the show. Linode is the Linux Geeks Cloud. With 11 data centers worldwide, they've been hard at work for almost 19 years creating the best experience for running applications on Linux. If you need a personal small site or you need something that's going to possibly entertain millions of visitors, they have systems that scale to that. I was just thinking of the large box that we deployed for our Matrix installation just recently. That's a great example. I think we started at a $10 a month Linode. And then over time, we just resized it as we needed. As the user base grew, we resized the system to meet our needs. And it's worked so great now. We have a system with 48 cores and 96 gigs of RAM. You know, it's pretty screaming fast. And also you can get them now with NVMe PCIe storage. So it can just be unbelievably fast on disk IO as well. And they have the best customer support, super fast rigs and networking, and a Linux culture that runs deep in that company. There's so many great reasons to choose Linode. After you've been using it for a minute, you'll come up with a list of your own. And if you're like me, you'll really appreciate that you can tell where the Linux love is baked into the product. So go put it over the top and get $100 in credit. Try it for yourself. See why I've been talking about it and support the show. What a great opportunity. So it's linode.com slash LAN. You go there, you get that $100, you create the new account, you build something, you learn something. linode.com slash LAN. linux.ting.com. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring this episode of Linux Action News. Ting has been my cell phone provider since 2013. So go to linux.ting.com and see how much you could save and then take 25 bucks off by using our URL. Ting is an MVNO or a mobile virtual network operator. That means they don't focus on digging holes in the grounds and working with all the different local regulations. They work as a meta network on top of the big nationwide carriers, so they get access to the same LTE and 5G networks, but you deal with Ting, who has to focus on customer support and value to survive. It's like their, their, their whole bread and butter is customer service, <laughs> right? Where the duopolies, they, just, they get you locked in, and you know what that service is like. And Ting was recently named number one by Consumer Reports in 2021. And I think what I love about Ting is their plans are always simple and straightforward. They've changed them over the years a bit as the industry has evolved, but they've always remained simple and easy to understand. And one thing that's always stayed true, no contracts ever. It's simple to switch to Ting, and pretty much any phone will work. You'll be blown away by the prices. They have cell phone plans that are as cheap as 30 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month, depending on what you need. You know, maybe you don't use your phone a lot. Maybe you use it a ton. Maybe you need a data device. They also will sell you a device and you can take 25 bucks off that when you go to linux.ting.com. Go check your current phone, create an account, and pick the plan that's right for you. It's linux.ting.com. The folks behind the modular laptop, the framework, have now made the laptop's main port available as a standalone component in the framework marketplace. They write in their announcement, quote, We designed the mainboard from the start as a standalone module to make upgrades easy in the framework laptop. All you need to do is insert some memory, plug in a USB-C power adapter, and hit the tiny power button on board, and you've got a powered-up computer. I love this idea, and it's so great that they designed this mainboard from the beginning to be standalone like this. What a cool idea. 
And not only just that, Wes, but they've also released a GitHub repository with 80 different CAD drawings. They've got electrical documentation on there for the main board, and they're putting it all under a Creative Commons license. And in addition to that, they've got some 2D drawings of the main board so that you can get the exact dimensions. And they've released two 3D printable reference designs with the hope that the community starts creating cases and accessories to house the main board. You could actually see like a Raspberry Pi style case for a framework laptop main board, giving those of us who self-host or maybe you just need a small headless machine, a low cost, low power, easy to repair, easy to upgrade headless x86 system. Hmm, maybe I can finally get you off that pie habit. <laughs> maybe. But speaking of pricing, there are three main options and price points here. It starts at $399, that's uh, in USD, and that gets you a i5 11th gen Intel, $549 for the base i7 mainboard, and $799 for the i7 1185G7 board if you want to get fancy. Then, of course, add whatever memory and storage your use case requires. Yeah, and those are introductory prices, too. So these prices will likely go up at some point in the near future. And that is sort of the killer for the casual play around with a little computer and learn Linux user. But it still doesn't necessarily put it out of the price range of an enthusiast, necessarily. Yeah, and, you know, that's obviously one use case here. Folks who like assembling hardware, who like building their own systems, and, and now have a new modular sort of base that they can build from. I get that. It also makes me wonder, though, you know, with this being so out in the open, is, is some of this research, some of this, you know, the hard work that the framework team have done here, could any of it be used by other vendors looking to maybe build off or build similar products? Hmm, right, like this is almost like a base platform. And you could take this main board and you could put it in a whole different chassis or something like that. And maybe you could see other vendors create products around this. I wonder, you know, you could see it. I think clearly the major use case, which we haven't even really mentioned yet, but is the obvious primary use case for this and these, all these standalone main boards is for framework laptop owners that either need to do a replacement or maybe, maybe they bought like a low end i5 model a year ago. And maybe in a year or two, they want to pop in a high-end i7 model and essentially get an entirely new PC. It's a whole new era of laptops. Or at least, maybe, if things like this continue to go well. We'll see. For now, the Framework folks are also giving away 100 of the i5 mainboards. But you do need to live in an area that they currently ship to. And you have to apply via a special form. But don't worry, we'll have that linked in the notes. Indeed, that's pretty cool. The notes are always at linuxactionshow.com slash episode number. So for this episode, it is linuxactionnews.com slash 238. But we'll keep an eye on all of these stories. And so be sure you go to linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe. So that way you can get updates on everything we talked about and news stories as they develop. And linuxactionnews.com slash contact for ways to get in touch. At least, if you didn't take our hint and join us on Matrix. And just a heads up, Linux Action News will be out one day late next week. Brace yourself. Don't worry, we will be back next week, though. Just, just a little bit late, but still with our take on the latest Linux and open source news. Thanks for joining us. And that's all the news for this week. <laughs>